Um, I forgot to um, say one thing in the announcements, and that is, as you're aware, uh, Tim and Maureen are heading off to Andrews uh, later this week. And uh, we, as a church, want to wish them the best and, and give them a token, um, uh, a contribution to the, uh, the life that they, they're about to embark on. So uh, we as a church, we have made a, a contribution to them. Um, unfortunately, they're, they're not here this morning uh, for me to make the presentation to them. But uh, they, uh, I, will, I will get them to them before they, before they leave. Um, you'll notice that uh, I am, I'm not alone this Sabbath. Um, I have my sister here with me. Um, I suppose I should say she's the better looking out of the two of us, but the jury's still out on that one. Um, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's been been good to have my sister here. She's been having a ball. I uh, don't know how much money she's spent since she's been here, but she's, uh, she's, she's having a good time. And uh, I cooked some dinner for her last night. And she's still alive, so I have to be thankful for small mercies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Do you, do you wish your, this is a more of a personal nature now, do you wish your pastor to be happy? Yes. Well, um, my football team, Aston Villa, they reached the FA Cup final, um, if you were not um, aware of this. They reached the FA Cup final, um, which is to be played in May, end of May. And the team that we are facing is the team of my good head deacon, Arsenal. So, if you wish your pastor to be happy, um, I think you should, in all honesty, support Aston Villa when the time does come. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's only the right thing to do. I know Colin's going to have words with me afterwards, but we'll, we'll see. So, we are in, a, in the book of Acts. We're looking at the, the book of Acts and we... We started uh, a few weeks back and we were looking at the topic of witnessing and, and being, uh, being my witnesses. And now we're taking a bit of a jump and we're going to Acts chapter 19. Um, I'll, I'll explain why there's such a big jump later on in the, in the service. But So our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Acts chapter 19 and we'll be reading verses 11 to 16. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 16. And it reads, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a chief, chief, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? 
Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? The title for the presentation today is Who Are You? Shall we bow our heads? Our Lord and Father, we come before you this day and we ask that uh, you be with us in a special way. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you. I ask, Lord, even in this moment that uh, you would increase as I decrease. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. Have you ever been around someone who wants to come across as important, but they are really not? They like to be seen and they like to be heard. They like to talk a lot, but for all their talk, that is all they are, talk. They put on a good show and even manage to fool some people. But at the end of the day, they always get found out. Why? Because something somewhere along the line will give them away. Something will happen that will let others know and see that this person was not all they hyped themselves up to be. Like a football team called Arsenal. No, sorry, that's, that's, that wasn't in the notes. People who talk the talk but cannot walk the walk. The sons of Skavar in our scripture reading were a very good example of this. There were seven brothers born of a man called Skavar, a Jewish priest. And they dabbled in the dark arts like witchcraft and magic and supernatural things. Uh, and... I would say that these guys were more of the amateur and less of the professional. However, the Apostle Paul had been uh, visiting the area and they had seen uh, some of the miracles that had been taking place. We saw in the scripture reading that people were putting cloths on Paul and taking those said cloths and putting them on the sick and people were being healed. So the, the Holy Spirit was doing something in the town of Ephesus. And if I can liken the sons of Skava to another group of famous seven brothers, the seven dwarfs. I imagine that the one called Dopey uh, piped up and said, guys, we can make a killing here. Uh, You've seen what Paul does. All he says is, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So all we have to do next time we see somebody who's demons possessed is just say, in the name of Jesus. Who knows, we could be heroes in this city. We might even get the keys to the city and we might even get girlfriends. Well, maybe it wasn't just one who was dopey. Maybe it was all seven who were dopey because they they all bought into this idea and thought that this was uh, what they were going to do. This was how they were going to move forward. So they looked for an opportunity uh, to showcase this new foolproof method that they had come up with. And so, as it was, it turned out, uh, they were together one day walking and uh, there was a crowd outside a house and they saw that there was a, a lot of commotion. So they, uh, they went to see what all this commotion was about and somebody informed them that there was a demon-possessed man inside the house. Oh, this is perfect! This is just perfect, they said. Here is our time to shine. So uh, I can imagine that they puffed up their chests and made a big announcement to the crowd. We, the sons of Skaver, 
are going to perform a miracle in this house today. Uh, Don't you worry or don't you fret about that demon-possessed man. We'll take care of it. Uh, And when we are finished, you will remember the name of the sons of Sceva. And so, uh, with that, they went into the house. And as they went into the house, it was dark. There was uh, nobody around. It was silent. It looked like nobody had been there for a very long time. Uh, They went into one room, but they didn't see anybody there. They went into another room, and there was gain. There was nobody there, and all the sound that was being made was these seven brothers nervously shuffling from one room to the next. And then right at the back of the house, they went into a room and they saw a man sitting in the middle of the room with his knees to his chest and his arms around his knees. There was no furniture in the room. Uh, There was nothing to hold his attention. But he was just staring straight ahead dead in the centre of the room, not saying a word. And so the sons of Sceva thought, well, here it is. Here's our time to shine. We're going to own the moment. So they formed a, a circle around the man in the middle. And they counted down and they said, we exercise you by the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. There was nothing. There was no movement. He didn't, the man in the middle didn't even acknowledge that, he was, that these seven uh, brothers were there. So they thought they'd try it again one more time, but with much louder voices. We exercise you by the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And all of a sudden, there was movement. The man stood up. He dusted himself down. And he looked into the seven sets of eyes that were staring back at him so intently. And do you know what happened? The man laughed. And this wasn't just a a titter or a a chuckle. This was a deep belly laugh. He was cracking up to himself. And do you know what the the brothers did? They started laughing also. They started uh, congratulating each other, patting themselves on the back, shaking their hands because they thought they had done it. And then the man spoke, but the voice that came from him clearly did not belong to him. He said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And uh, before they could react, before they could think of anything the man jumped on them now you have to understand this was seven grown men against one man but it was a no contest it was like Mike Tyson fighting a bunch of school children it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't a, a, um, a fair fight and the demon possessed man he he beat them I mean he really went to town on them he he uh, he He stripped them naked as the day they were born and then kicked them out of the house. So, yes, people uh, would remember the name of the sons of Sceva, but for very different reasons that they were hoping for. The first time I came across this story, I found it amusing. You almost want to pity and feel sorry for the sons of Sceva. They were 
misused and abused in the worst way. But when we stop to analyse the story, there are some things for us to learn. The sons of Sceva were fakers. They thought that they could trick people into believing that they had a connection with Jesus. They looked the part. They probably talked a good talk, but when it came down to it, they couldn't walk the walk. I wonder if this trend is starting to infiltrate our churches. People who claim that they are Christian but are not living the life of a Christian. They put on a good show for people, especially on a Sabbath day, hoping that people will think that they are incredibly righteous and that butter would not melt in their mouths. But in reality, the truth is the exact opposite. And, but the point is this. There are those of us who claim to be Christian, but we are not living as we should. We are playing church, but not living church. And like the sons of Sceva, it's like we are tricking people into believing that we have a connection with Jesus when we really don't. Let's try to break this down a little bit more. There are Christians who only pick up their Bible to take with them to church on a Sabbath. The other six days of the week, it picks up dust. Or how about those Christians who don't talk to God in the week? For them, prayer is not so much of a priority as it should be. Or here's a good one. Christians who like to talk about love, but they don't love and they have a hard time forgiving someone if they so much as step on their toe. People who are Christian in name, but not Christian in nature. My friends, you cannot fake a connection with God. You are either connected to him or you are not. You cannot be a bit connected to God, slightly connected to God or almost connected to God. Have you ever put your phone to charge but didn't connect the charger properly? What happens? Does it charge regardless? No, if it's not connected, it cannot be charged. And in the same way, if we are not connected to God, we cannot be filled with his power. God knows who we are. There is no point trying to hide. There is no point trying to kid ourselves or trying to put on a show for people. He knows inwardly, intimately, in detail. We know that God knows us. He knows all. He sees all. So pretense with God is literally impossible. You can be a hypocrite to me and to everyone else in this church, but you can't fool God. He knows you. He knows that you could be dressed to the nines, but inside you feel worthless. He knows that your body might be here in this building, but in your mind you want to be anywhere else but here. When you think about what God really knows about you, knowing you inside out, it's a waste of time trying to pretend. He cannot be deceived by any human beings. He has all the facts. God is full of information. And so you wonder why so many people worry about other people. All the things that we do to impress people, but they can't get us into heaven and they can't condemn us to hell. All the dumb things that we do in our lives to impress others, acting like we are this and that, and sometimes flat out lying to impress others. And the irony comes when we don't seem to be as concerned about impressing God who can actually get us into heaven. I don't know how much sense that makes, forgetting the one who really does count. You think you may have fooled others, but you cannot fool God. God is not mocked, my friends. In trying to be something that you are not, you are only hurting yourself. Here's something else that we need to take note of. Look at what is said in our scripture reading. Jesus I know, Paul I know, 
but who are you? Jesus, I know. Paul, I'm acquainted with, but who are you? The truth is, even though we don't like to admit it, the devil is well informed also. He knows you from your behaviour, from the things that you do and your, your weak points. He has a portfolio on you. He knows his stuff. And he will try to take advantage of your weak points of character. He knew that when he dealt with Paul, Paul spoke and stuff happened. But these guys, the devil could see them coming a mile away. I like the way that the Message Bible puts our scripture reading. It says, uh, some itinerant Jewish exorcists who happened to be in town at the time tried their hand at what they assumed to be Paul's game. They pronounced the name of the Master Jesus over victims of evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus preached by Paul. The, sons, the seven sons of a certain scaver, a Jewish high priest, were trying to do this on a man when the evil spirits talked back. I know Jesus, and I've heard of you. I've heard of Paul, but who are you? Then the possessed man went berserk, jumped the exorcists, beat them up, tore off their clothes. Naked and bloody, they got away as best they could. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is everything in the book of Acts. As we will see, he turns ordinary people into spiritual giants. There is real power in the church because of the Holy Spirit. And we will see this as we continue journeying through the book of Acts. But friends, this is not a connection that can be faked. These guys were pastor's kids, PKs. They grew up in the church. But you can spend your life in the church, but the reality is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These were church members who were now dealing with exorcism. And they shouldn't have been dabbling with that kind of stuff. And they commanded the devil to come out. They had the appearance of being believers, but in their quest for power without submission, they wanted what Paul had without living as Paul lived. One preacher puts it this way, conversion without commitment is impossible, redemption without reformation is impossible, and true sacredness without sacrifice is impossible. Maybe this is part of the issue. We want some of the action. We want to be involved. But in reality, we don't want to make the sacrifices that others have made. Who gets priority in your life? Jesus, I know. Paul, I'm acquainted with. But who are you? These sons of Sceva were trying to go in their own power. Talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Another way of phrasing it would be, who do you think you are? Come in here trying to take control of a situation. Boy, if you don't keep quiet, I'm going to strip you and beat you. Jesus had authority. We know him. And we also know that Paul is under Jesus' authority. But whose authority are you coming under? Your own? Well, we'll soon see about that. Trying to be the boss and getting shown who the boss is in that particular situation. In this great controversy that we are in, we can't be playing about, pretending, trying to impress. This is not a game. Yes, this story is amusing, but it's also an alarm and a wake-up call for some of us who have fallen into the trap of playing church but not living church. Putting on a show or keeping up appearances is not, is not going to wash in this battleground of spiritual warfare. If you are not where you want to be or where you are supposed to be, that's okay. 
Today you can recognise that fact and get back on track with God. So let's see how we can get connected with God and stay connected with him. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 5. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Jesus tells us plainly here that if we want to do anything in this life, then we need to be connected to him. He says, you can do nothing without me. But a lot of us want to see if we can prove this statement wrong. Jesus is the one who empowers, who strengthens, who inspires, who guides and directs us. Without him, nothing else matters. If we try to go alone, we can only get so far in our own strength. But the Bible tells us that with him, all things are possible. When branches are connected to the vine, they depend on the vine as their life source. Through the vine, they get the nutrients that they need to survive. And the same is true for us here. When we are connected and abiding in the true vine, then we become dependent on him as our life source. And he gives us what we need in order to survive in this world. He wants us to abide in him, to commune with him. Jesus wants to be connected to you. The question is, do you want to be connected to him? The only way we can be connected to Jesus and stay connected to him as if we develop a personal relationship with him. Every relationship requires work, and the same is true of our relationship with Christ. We need to spend time with him and work on our relationship, but this has to be a daily thing. It's a process. You don't draw close to Christ by doing nothing and just hoping for the best. You have to make time for Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Whatever, whatever you value in this life, you will spend time with. We make time for TV programs and boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, but do we also prioritise the time that we spend with God? Look at the example of the legacy that Jesus left for us. There are countless times in the Bible where we read that Jesus retreated or went to be by himself in order to pray. He was connecting to his Father in heaven. He recognised that without his connection to God, he would be nothing and he would not be able to do anything. So what does that say to us today? That we need to make sure that we are connected to God in 2015. That we should be following the example that Jesus set for us. In our scripture reading, the sons of Sceva tried to remove the demons from the man by saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. They had no relationship with Jesus. They were talking about the Jesus that they had heard Paul speak about. They were talking about Paul's Jesus. They had no personal connection. Just because we know of people who have a connection with Jesus does not mean that we automatically enter into this connection also. I wonder if the reason why sometimes we struggle in our Christian experience is because we are talking about the the Jesus that our pastor preaches or the Jesus that my parents believe in or the Jesus that the church claims but not our own personal Jesus. We have to have a personal relationship with him. Okay, so why why have I jumped to this section in Acts? some 18 chapters from where we were a few weeks ago. 
If you remember, when we were last together, we looked at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where Jesus was telling his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Friends, we cannot even begin to think about being witnesses if we are not connected to God. We cannot fake it. Otherwise, we are just wasting time and missing opportunities. If we are not connected to Jesus, then how can we possibly hope to introduce others to him? If we are not truly connected, then we will struggle to, sh- to spread the gospel because we have nothing to say. My point is this. We need to be connected before we show others the connection that we have. I cannot talk about someone I do not know. And if I try to do so, it will become apparent that I don't know what I'm talking about. We need to be sure of our connection with Jesus. We need to know for ourselves the Jesus that we have claimed before we can attempt to tell others about him. Don't spend your life envying other believers. Oh, that person can pray. That person can preach. So what? The same way that they have been filled is the same way that you can be filled. Get it for yourself. Don't just be admiring someone else's prayer life. Get a prayer life of your own. You're not getting to heaven based on your family, your church, or your pastor. So it's high time that you and Jesus have a relationship, a real relationship. As we go through Acts, we will see the Holy Spirit deals in real power, genuine power. Some of the stories we will cover are simply mind-blowing. But at its, at its essence, at its core, are real people allowing themselves to be used by God for his service. Nobody in the book of Acts is going in their own might, and neither should we. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The sons of Sceva will all talk, but it is my hope and my prayer that this will not be said of us, that each member will make it their responsibility to be connected to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that each one of us will develop our own personal relationship with Jesus, so that when the time comes, we are ready and willing to tell others about our Saviour and our Redeemer. Let us make sure that we are connected to the true vine in 2015 and abiding in him. There are many who give lip service instead of heartfelt service our words may hide our thoughts but our actions will reveal them actions speak louder than words talk is cheap but a genuine connection can mean everything there's a story of a rather pompous looking church member who was endeavoring to impress a class of boys and talking about the importance of living the christian life Why do you call me a Christian, he started off. After a moment's pause, one boy said, maybe it's because they don't know you. When people see real Christians, they don't forget it. They know that there is something different about that person. And that something different is the love of Jesus that has transformed their heart so that their deeds and actions, their thoughts and their words, what they say and what they do are guided out of their love for God and their love for others. They are not self-centred as they once were. They are now Christ-centred. If you are going to be a Christian, then you have to be fully committed. Be prepared to go all the way. There is no middle fence or in-between when it comes to Christianity. You have to make sure that you are fully connected. 
So that if the devil, perchance, loses his mind and asks the question, who are you? You can turn around and say that you are a child of God, saved by grace through faith, redeemed how you love to proclaim it, that you are God's property. I encourage you all this morning to get a real connection with Jesus, get connected to the true vine, connect to him and stay connected to him. Amen.